Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We learned today that the Reddit user who inspired this entire GameStop mania, he says he lost $13 million on Tuesday alone. Just in GameStop, just that one stock, he lost $13 million just in one day, and he's still holding on to his shares. He has, as they say, diamond hands. Now, this whole battle that's been waged over the past two weeks, the battle over GameStop, has grown into something much bigger than a short squeeze. This has grown into a metaphorical holy war. This is a battle between the retail investor and the hedge funds, a battle between the everyday investor like you and me and the Wall Street elite. But as with every battle, there's casualties. And we're going to look at some of those casualties and some of the fallout that's happened since the beginning of this whole drama. And not only that, but there's a lot of claims being said right now. A lot of new investors are making different claims in the market. And so I want to do a little bit of fact versus fiction, Joseph Carlson style. So we're going to be looking at some of the big claims that new investors are making. And I'm going to be saying whether I think that they're factually true or not. So let's go ahead and get started. This is a graph of interest over time in a particular particular subject. The subject is the term short squeeze. So this shows whether investors have searched this term before. This is all the way back to 2004. Short squeeze is not something that usually gets that often searched into Google. The interest might kick up to a rating of three or maybe four at the most, and then it went up straight to 100. That is the interest over time. In the past two weeks, the term short squeezed has been one of the most searched terms. That's because of the GameStop drama. The Wall Street Bets subreddit has 8.5 million members. Now, that might not sound too impressive, 8.5 million, but you have to remember, just a couple days ago, this community only had about a million members. In fact, if I look at a graph over time of the amount of members that Wall Street Bets had, you can see that right here, it goes, I wouldn't even describe it as parabolic, it goes just vertical. In a couple days, Wall Street Bets went from about 2 million members to 8.5. That's how quickly interest grew for this topic. Now with the millions of members, this whole viral trend of GameStop has even made its way out of Wall Street Bets, out of the internet, into things like Times Square. Somebody here actually bought a billboard in Times Square that says GME Go Burr, and it shows a candlestick chart going upwards. This is what people are doing now, memeing GameStop in real life. Outside of billboards in Times Square, there's even been rappers like Young Quant making music videos about GameStop. But on watching bets, we do not give investing advice. They put fraud on CNN and sends it trying going live. But the boomer days are over, it's Melvin for life. I'm on watching bets late night in the morning, daytime. Now, I'm no music critic, but my opinion, that song's fire. Even Saturday Night Live had multiple segments dedicated to GameStop. I told you, all my money, I put all my money in GameStop and I can't lose. Uh-huh. So normally a stock price reflects a company's value, right? Okay. <laughs> There's also been a lot of good that's happened from this mania, from this entire event. For instance, this Redditor here used some of his earnings from GameStop to actually go to a GameStop location, buy a bunch of Nintendo Switches and video games, and then he donated that to a children's hospital. It's really cool to see stuff like that. We also know that this news has been very widespread and has caught a lot of attention. And this is where things get interesting because this news of GameStop has attracted millions of brand new investors into the stock market. This is their first experience trading stocks. 
They're trading GameStop and AMC, these type of meme stocks to start. And we can look at how many people have downloaded these apps just over the past couple days. Robinhood alone got over 3 million downloads in just one day. Millions of new people, brand new to the stock market, have decided to download apps over the past weekend and enter into the stock market. In this episode, I want to talk to some of those new people. I want to separate fact versus fiction because there's been some narratives that have played out that I don't think are so true. Let's first address claim number one. Hedge funds are bad. This sentiment that hedge funds are bad is something that's been said a million times over the past week. This is one of the biggest claims of the internet. Hedge funds are bad. They represent big money. They're a net negative in society, and they should be done away with. In fact, the entire movement of GameStop was to stick it to the hedge funds. This run-up, this 700% gain, the whole purpose of it was to squeeze out the big money, squeeze out the big hedge funds, and it worked. Melvin Capital, the big hedge fund that had a short position on GameStop, lost more than 50% of their assets under management just in January. That is a devastating blow to Melvin Capital. But the question is, is Melvin Capital really bad? Were they really the enemy that deserved Reddit's ire? If we want to answer the question whether or not hedge funds are bad or good, we first need to know what a hedge fund is. All a hedge fund is, is a financial partnership that uses pooled money. That's all it is. It's when one person says, hey, I'm pretty good at investing, or at least I think I am. If you want to have me manage your money, I will invest it for you. Hedge funds are all different sizes. Some of them manage billions of dollars. Some of them manage a few million. For example, there's a popular hedge fund called Oak Tree, and it's ran by a guy named Howard Marks. He's been running this hedge fund for a long time. The whole strategy of his fund is to invest in distressed debt, meaning companies that are going to go out of business, he tries to make investments and turn those companies around. You couldn't accurately describe his hedge fund as destructive or damaging. Another example of a hedge fund is Bridgewater Associates. They manage over $150 billion. That's a massive amount of money. This hedge fund's led by the legendary Ray Dalio. Looking over Ray Dalio's life, I don't see anything really troubling about it. He's never done anything that I think is destructive to other companies. He's never upset any other businesses. And like many other super wealthy people, he's dedicated a large portion of his life to philanthropy. Overall, not somebody that I would consider bad. But Reddit didn't target Ray Dalio or Howard Marks. They targeted Gabe Plotkin of Melvin Capital. He's the one that they really went after. He's the one that they caused a 50% drop in his assets under management. And I have to be honest, after looking into Melvin Capital and Gabe Plotkin's background, I was a little bit disappointed in the target that Reddit picked out. They don't even take an active stake in their investments. They just go long some companies and short some companies. They don't disrupt any of the companies they're investing in. And their biggest sin, if any, was going short GameStop something that many other hedge funds did as well. After looking at the hedge fund Melvin Capital's background and finding no real questionable behavior, no improprieties, I decided to look at Gabe Plotkin and see if I could at least find some character flaws. Here's a podcast he went on as a favor to a friend in 2020. For me, uh, wherever I've been in my life, it's, it's just do the best you can. Just keep getting better. Find a way to improve every day. And, and when I was, you know, when I started in this industry, People say, oh, is this your plan? And some people have those goals, those plans. My goal, my plan was like, just get better every day. Just find a way to keep improving, figure out what works in this business and, and keep building upon it. And over the course of many years, that kind of brought me to a place that I never would have envisioned when I started. But that was really the focus is how do I just keep improving? And, you know, if you're hardworking and, and you have a decent ceiling, like good things can happen. That's him. That's Gabe Plotkin. That is the big villain of Reddit. 
A little bit underwhelming if you ask me. Now, I'm not saying you have to feel bad about the guy. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I think he's going to be just fine. But is this really the best that Reddit can do? Is this really the biggest villain that we can come up with? I'm sure we can find someone more deserving of Reddit's ire. And that's why I'd like to make a recommendation. My first recommendation is this man right here, Paul Singer. Paul Singer is one of the most intimidating and terrifying people on all of Wall Street. He is what I believe is a true villain. He's not somebody that's only bullied other hedge funds. He's bullied other corporations, small businesses, large businesses. He's even used his massive amounts of money and his army of lawyers to bully foreign governments. Just to give you an idea of how bad Paul Singer is, he has entire write-ups dedicated to his style of investing, like this one from The New Yorker titled Paul Singer, Doomsday Investor. The head of Elliott Management has developed a uniquely adversarial and immensely profitable way of doing business. Adversarial is right. And this article is combined with an illustration of Paul Singer running this machine that funnels in companies, grinds them up, and spits out cash. Bloomberg has an article about him calling him the world's most feared investor. Even foreign governments like the president of Argentina once described Paul Singer as a vulture lord and a bloodsucker. Paul Singer has become such an intimidating figure on Wall Street that even when he calls a business, it strikes fear in them. You have an image, though, of being a person that strikes fear in a lot of CEOs. You must recognize that some people are probably afraid that they're going to get a call from Paul Singer. So does that image bother you that you have an image of being a tough person and commanding... What I've learned over the years is to not care too much about um, um, opprobrium and, and unfair press. It's good when a, um, a corporate executive listens with the understanding that we are real, that we have the capacity to, um, to uh, carry through, and the history of carrying right. through on, our, um, uh, on, on the projects that we undertake, and that we need to be convinced. He's saying these businesses that we invest in, they need to know that our threats are real. We fully intend to follow through with these projects that we undertake. And he's very serious. When Paul Singer invests in a business and he tells the business owners to do what he wants, he fully expects them to do what he wants. Paul Singer is relentless and merciless. He will use his massive amounts of money to bully companies into doing whatever he wants them to do. He will use threats. He will use open letters and litigation to get his way. And things can get very, very dirty when he does this. A signature Elliott tactic is the release of a letter harshly criticizing the target company's CEO, which is often followed by the executive's resignation or the sale of the company. So right there, the first thing that Paul Singer does is come out with this public letter that harshly criticizes the leader of the company. Many times this causes the CEO to be fired or the whole company to go to sale. Right away, he causes the company to turn upside down. Then it goes on. One of Singer's few unsuccessful campaigns to block a merger with Samsung eventually led to the impeachment and imprisonment of the South Korean president after Singer's opponents became so desperate to fend off his attacks that they allegedly began bribing government officials. This is how desperate Singer's victims get. They try to get rid of him by any means necessary. In this case, it went so far that they bribed government officials and went to prison. So what I'm saying, Reddit, is Gabe Plotkin's not going around causing CEOs to be fired and companies to be sold. He's a passive investor. He takes passive stakes in companies. We can do better than Gabe Plotkin. If you want a real villain of Wall Street, look at Paul Singer. Now let's move on to claim number two, short selling is bad. This is something that I've seen said millions of times over the past week. It has exploded in popularity. People really hate short selling. Short selling is bad. It's un-American. You're hoping that companies are unsuccessful, that they go down in price. How is that a good thing? 
Well, I don't know. Let's take a look at it. First of all, we have popular people like Elon Musk saying things like this. You can't sell houses you don't own. You can't sell cars you don't own, but you can sell stocks you don't own. This is BS. Shorting is a scam. Legal only for vestigial reasons. This has 740,000 likes. That's a lot of likes. People really don't like short sellers. In the case of GameStop, you have an honest business trying to succeed and it has downward pressure on its stock price somewhat caused by short sellers. They put heavy downward pressure on an honest and reasonable business struggling. In this sense, I don't really like short selling. I don't think it's that helpful. People betting that a company like GameStop will continue to go down, that doesn't really seem like it's a net positive. But there's other situations where I think short selling is a lot more beneficial. In the movie The Big Short, the protagonists were celebrated. These were people that were betting against the big banks. They were making money off of those banks' stupidity. The heroes of this movie are the short sellers. And then there's examples where I think that overwhelmingly, the short seller did a service. They did a net positive to society. Take the example of Nikola. This is a company that was full of fraud and deception, but that really wasn't seen until a short seller brought it to light. Hindenburg Research is a short seller that did a 30-page in-depth research on Nikola, exposing many of their questionable and I think fraudulent actions. For instance, they towed a truck to the top of a hill, they rolled it down a hill, and then filmed it as though it was driving itself, and showed that to investors. It was very deceptive. Hindenburg Research is a short seller that revealed all of this. If Hindenburg Research had no financial incentive to do this research, they probably wouldn't have done this research at all. Short selling does create incentive for firms like Hindenburg to expose companies like Nikola. Without that incentive, this would have never been exposed. So is short selling really bad? I think this is a similar answer to the question, is a hedge fund bad? The answer is yes and no. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's not. Sometimes short selling is bad, and sometimes it's not. In the case of Hindenburg going short Nikola because they exposed fraud and deceptive practices, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's bad. But in the case of 140% short interest on an honest company like GameStop, I think that that's bad. So the answer to the question, is short selling bad? I think it's yes and no. Now it's time for claim number three, we're hurting the hedge funds. That's the big claim being made. That's the whole underlying premise of this entire movement, is the retail investors versus the big bad hedge funds. Now assessing whether or not this claim is true, whether or not we're hurting hedge funds, there's a couple pieces of data we can look at. One of them is Melvin Capital. Did this short squeeze hurt Melvin Capital? Absolutely. The Wall Street Journal says it started the year with about $12.5 billion and now runs more than $8 billion. The current figure includes $2.7 billion in emergency funds from Citadel. So Melvin Capital cut away 53% of their total investments in under one month. Imagine your portfolio dropping over half in that short of a time period. That is devastating. But what should come as no surprise is that hedge funds were on both sides of this trade. There were those that were short GameStop, like Melvin Capital and others, but there are other hedge funds like this one, Senvest. They went long GameStop. They realized the interest that was happening with this stock, and they put a position in the company, and they gained $700 million in value, riding up the wave as it went up, and then selling out somewhere towards the top. And Senvest wasn't the only hedge fund that made money going long these meme stocks. There's other hedge funds like Murdoch Capital Management that runs about $3 billion plus, and they made $200 million on AMC, most of which just in January. It says Murdoch's gains came mostly from its holdings in AMC debt, which rallied last week as AMC's price soared. The fund also made about $50 million riding and selling call options on AMC. So they were doing a lot of the same things that these Reddit investors on Robinhood were. They were selling call options on meme stocks like AMC. 
So in some cases, yes, hedge funds did get hurt by this trade. Some of them suffered devastating blows. But there are many examples of hedge funds that made a good profit off this trade. It just depends on what side of the trade they were on. And now looking back over the past two weeks, we can see that the GameStop mania has started to simmer down a little bit. And we can see the fallout starting to happen. Every single one of these meme stocks that was bumped up by this mania has fallen dramatically from its highs. GameStop itself is down 88% from its highs just two weeks ago. Cost is down 85%, Blockbuster is down 83%, AMC is down 65%, and so on and so forth. Virtually every stock involved in this has fallen dramatically, and the results have been pretty devastating to some individual investors. For instance, here's a post of one Reddit user saying he's still holding on to these shares of AMC and GameStop and Pfizer. He's currently down 44%, $9,000, and he says he's still holding. Keep in mind, this was posted one day ago, and just today these stocks went down on average about another 40 to 50%. This user here also posted one day ago, saying that he lost 59000 so far in GameStop and he's still holding. Again, that stock was down another 40% plus today. Now, of course, while many people participated in this GameStop drama by buying some shares, most of them were smart enough to limit their exposure and not incur devastating loss from this tumbling down. But some people didn't do that. There's some people that actually put an enormous amount of important money into the stock. This user, for instance, posted on Reddit saying that he's 21 years old and he's lost $25,000. He says, for context, I just turned 21 two weeks ago and I had some success saving up money from internships and smart investing. I live with my parents and I'm on track to graduate soon as an engineer. I have around $30,000 in student loans. Up until recently, I had around 35K invested and decided to take on risk in the stock market. I liquidated all my positions, stupid I know, and I decided to go 100% into Apple calls and GameStop shares. So he did options, bets, and then he bought a meme stock. Needless to say, I lost this bet. 35000 quickly, within one week, turned into 10000 And now I'm down 25 k total. This has deeply saddened me, and I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to recover from this loss. I was planning on buying a house with this money, and now it's out of the question. This is the type of situation that some people have put themselves in. Now, while I think this Reddit user that's 21 years old will eventually be able to recoup his losses, this is a devastating blow for him. Going from $35,000 back to $10,000, that's a lot of capital being lost. That could be compounded over long periods of time. He's only 21 years old. Having $35,000 in the market at that point can do a lot for you in the future. And that money's gone. Like he said, he'd like to be able to buy a home and that opportunity is going to have to wait because now he's not going to be able to afford a down payment. This is the consequences of trying to get rich quick, of trying to cut in line. Some people will be successful. You're going to hear posts and see posts online of people that made a lot of money in GameStop. But for everybody that did, there's a lot of people that also lost money over the past two weeks. Some of the biggest figures promoting that you go and buy and hold this stock, like Mark Cuban, never bought a share of it. Never once did he buy or own any GameStop. Mark Cuban owns Amazon and Netflix. Those are companies that he buys. He hasn't bought any GameStop. Chamath Palihapitiya is another one that's been very vocal in buying GameStop, defending retail investors. While I agree with what he says, keep in mind where he's putting his money. Chamath had $100,000 in GameStop only for a short while. He quickly sold out at a gain. And this person is a billionaire. Even billionaires promoting GameStop will not put any money in it. Another figure that's been mentioned many times as a supporter of this movement is Elon Musk, who likewise doesn't have any money invested in GameStop. 
They know there's better places to put your capital. Now, during the height of this mania one week ago, I wrote a long-form letter to my Discord explaining why I'm not investing in GameStop, how it goes against the things that I've preached on my channel in the past, and I also highlighted what I think is an important difference between these influential people like Elon Musk, Jamath Palihapitiya, Mark Cuban, what they say they support, and where they actually put their money. Those are two different things. While all of them have been supportive on Twitter and on CNBC of the GameStop trade, none of them participated in it in any meaningful way. None of them actually put a meaningful amount of their money in these trades. And I think that's important to look at. The reason that Chamath and Elon and Mark didn't invest in these companies is because I believe they're a follower of rule one and rule two of investing. The first rule on investment is don't lose. And the second rule on investment is don't forget the first rule. And that's all the rules there are. I mean, that uh, if you buy things for far below what they're worth and you buy a group of them, you basically don't lose money. Warren Buffett has followed these rules his entire career, and he's repeated them since this interview in 1985 to current day. He's repeated them many times. Don't lose money and don't ever break that rule. Even if there's something exciting going on that you can be a part of, even if you think it can be a shortcut to riches, don't lose money. It's not worth risking it. In my portfolio, I try to follow those two rules. I'm focused around slow and incremental gains over time, and I'm not trying to take shortcuts to getting rich because I've seen example after example what the possibility is if you try to take shortcuts. You can have devastating losses. And while all this GameStop drama has unfolded, I've been a spectator from the sideline watching it unfold. And in that time, I've made $6,000, which is a 3.75% return, and I've earned $371 in dividends. This is what I enjoy doing. I don't need to look at every single thing that's exciting that's going on to make money. All I do is I buy in productive companies like Apple, JP Morgan, Disney, Costco, Home Depot, Microsoft, and I continually buy more and more of them. They pay me dividends, it gets reinvested, and I buy more and more of these great companies. This has been my strategy since the beginning, and it's worked out good so far. So I appreciate all of you following along with this GameStop drama with me. I think it's been entertaining to watch from the sidelines. And if you want to watch my portfolio grow over time, I make this one public. I show it every single week. So if you're not subscribed to the channel, make sure you subscribe because you can see this unfold week after week. I started showing my passive income account on YouTube when it was only about $20,000 in value, and the gains were only like $2,000. And here we are closing in on $200,000 in value with the gains being 36 grand. So it's came a long ways. And also the people that have checked out the secondary channel, Joseph Carlson After Hours, that is awesome. We are getting so many views on these videos. Three days ago, I posted a video about Netflix, what I think of that investment, and it already has 18,000 views. This is a channel with only 12,000 subscribers. So that's a lot of views on these videos. Every one of them is getting 20 to 30,000. So if you like in-depth research on these companies like Netflix, CrowdStrike, Texas Roadhouse, and so on, I post them on my secondary channel, Joseph Carlson After Hours, and I'll throw a link in the description for that as well. Other than that, I'll probably be posting a video this weekend. So I'll talk to you guys soon.